down to her final shot here. Can you believe it? The American Ninja Warrior podcast starts now. Welcome to the American Ninja Warrior podcast. I'm Matt Eisman. I'm Akbar Bajabia Miller. And what a great episode we had last night with the Dallas City Finals. Once again, Dallas delivered. Yeah, they did. You know, look, I love the fact that when when Texas steps up on the map, they make sure they put on a show. You talk about hospitality, southern hospitality. I mean, that was it right there. I mean, it was the wild, wild west out there. I don't want to pick a fight with Dallas, but a lot of the people were from Houston. Yeah, And I go back to Sam saying, when you think of people like Barclay Stockett, Daniel Gill, well, uh, Barclay who finished first among the women, Daniel Gill who finished first among the men, and to have uh, Josh Salinas there, all these people who came from Houston and Sam Sand doing well. I was so impressed. I was so impressed with what we saw um, out of those Dallas folks. Yeah, you know, and uh, I, let me tell you, it was great to see, too, Michael Irvin on the sideline. The, the playmaker. The playmaker, the big-time playmaker. He was enjoying it, having a lot of fun as well. But Yeah, uh, you talked to him. Yeah. Did he want to get on the course? Yeah, I, I'm telling you, he's a big fan of Ninja Warrior. Yeah, I'm a he's big a, fan. Yeah. I don't want to get on the course. <laughs> I think he wants to. But let me tell you something. I work with Michael Irvin over at the NFL Network, and, and I can tell you, the dude is still ripped up, and he's 50. He's fifty. I think he can. He, uh, he's banged up. He's, well, he's had his. He's had his day. <laughs> on the other end, we've got our guest today, twenty-three-year-old Barclay Stockett, who, in just a, a, such a short amount of time, has established itself the Sparkly Ninja, just one of the most dynamic athletes out there. And what a privilege it was to get to sit down and talk with her. And I know you couldn't be there. Yeah, I was out of the country. I was in Croatia. I did a little bit of Czech Republic and in Portugal. So I had to miss. He's this a one fancy out. man. But I will tell you, for me. I, I, Again, it's it's uh, it was surprising. It was really surprising to get to learn more about this amazing woman. And I, I guess I should say it's not surprising because that's why she's so awesome. So without further ado, the Sparkly Ninja, ladies and gentlemen, Barclay Stockton. Sitting down now with the Sparkly Ninja. And I got to say, sitting across from you, you're already glowing. The smile, the megawatt smile is lit up. Um, so talk about that. We, we've called you the sparkly ninja, Barclay Stockett. Where did that nickname come from? I actually, it's one of my favorite stories. I used to coach gymnastics from like age 14 to 22. And a lot of my kids couldn't pronounce my name. And so they'd, uh, they kind of went from Barclay to Barkley to, to Sparkly, and then it just stuck. And um, so the whole time I was coaching for like eight or nine years, I was I was called Coach Sparkly. So then when Ninja was like, "What's your What's your Ninja name?" I was like, "Oh, that's like the easiest question right. you've ever asked me. I'm I'm Sparkly." But it so. suits your personality so much. You really are this dynamo, this positive, this bundle of positive energy. Oh, thank you so I much. I feel like it's so. How did you how did you discover American Ninja Warrior? I was actually living in South Africa. I was um, doing some volunteer work for a few months in 2014, and that was season six, the the year that Casey mm-hmm. um, made history. And everyone I knew was sending me 
uh, they were all sending me the link to her run, hitting the buzzer. And for some reason, I couldn't watch it in South Africa. And I had, and I was just going crazy because I had like 18 people send me the link and were like, you could do this. You're the same exact size as Casey and you have the same background and um, you should try this. I'm like, what should I try? Like, <laughs> I, I was just like, I was so curious. And so as soon as I got back home, I, I was watching all these videos and I was like, oh my God, I could do that. That's, that's right up my alley. And I had really missed competing because I had um, retired from gymnastics at 18, which is old for a gymnast um <laughs> and but and I really missed athletics and I really missed competing but I couldn't find anything I liked enough to you know put the time and effort mm -hmm. into until I, I walked into iron sports Sam Sands yeah mm -hmm. and that changed everything now I love the story I heard you got up the warped wall the first time you were there but it wasn't the first try no. So it was actually my second day I ever went there. Uh -huh. um, the first day I went there, I was too intimidated to try it. I was just like... Now, for those who don't know, you're five feet tall. Yes. Yeah, I am exactly five foot tall. The wall at Sam's is over 14, but no one really knows exactly right. how high it is. So close to triple your yes, height. Yes. And so I, I was just looking up at it my first day there, and I was like, there's no way. I don't. I have no idea how anybody does this. And uh, so actually my first obstacle I ever tried was a salmon ladder, and I was able to complete that. On your first try? Um, I think it might have been my second or third try before right. I got all the way up, uh -huh. but I was able to make my first wrong the first try. Um, but the second day I went to Iron Sports was about, it was almost a year later um, because I was, uh, I live really far from Iron Sports. Mm -hmm. It's like at least an hour. And I don't think at the time I really thought it was realistic for me to be able to train like that, go all the, the time and put that much effort and time in until I went the second time and I, you know, I was able to do the jumping spider. I start, I looked at the wall and I was like, why don't I just try? And I was so far my first attempt, but I worked on it for about an hour and a half and then I got it. And to me, that sums up American Ninja Warrior. What people at home don't always get is because to me, when they watch the great athletes like you go through it, sometimes you make things look so easy. And they don't know the, the perseverance and dedication that you spent an hour and a half repeatedly going up this wall, <laughs> refusing to accept failure. I mean, the only way I was going to do this, to, to make this a part of my life, is if I knew it was possible. Right. And I wasn't going to kind of write myself off and say that it wasn't possible without giving it a valiant effort. So right. I had to put in the time. And then as soon as I saw that it was possible that I could actually, you know, get through this course, because I wasn't willing to like try out for Ninja Warrior if right. I knew I couldn't make up the wall. You didn't want to be mediocre. I was you wanted like, to know. I have to be prepared if and, I'm going to try And having this. seen Casey do it, who's five feet tall mm -hmm. as well, in the back of your mind, you felt... Okay. Yes. This is something my because b before, you, you most of the competitors were at least five five and or a little taller and and we've seen Casey reach the limits particularly on, you mentioned the jumping spider mm -hmm. where memorably, uh, in that season she got to the jumping spider and was doing the Van Damme perfectly one hundred and eighty mm -hmm. and couldn't touch the walls yeah and yet you get through that obstacle at Sam Sands gym or just about your <laughs> that was second uh... try. 
It was definitely different. Sam's is built differently. It's, mm-hmm. it's higher, so it's more about jumping up. And I don't think it's quite as wide as the one on the show. Right. Um, the one on the show, I was so nervous about last year in uh-huh. Vegas. I didn't know if I'd make it through it because, you know, Casey Hatton were the same size. And um, so I actually went to gyms in New Jersey. Uh, I think it was New Jersey. There's this gym called VertiQuest that has kind of almost an exact replica uh-huh. of, of the Jumping Spider in Vegas. And I went there and I just drilled it over and over and over again. I went with, I trained with like Jesse Lebrecht and, and Krista right. Ganji. And I was there specifically to work on the jumping spider. And it was really hit or miss just because my margin of error is so small. Right. Um, and I actually watched the slow-mo from Vegas last year and I was on my fingertips in, in the wall. The hands were what really saved you. Yeah. I mean, my feet, my legs were able to, to reach across. Um, but my, I think it was my left hand was flat against the wall, but I could only touch with my fingertips on, on the right side That's of the wall. That's crazy. So th- that, that was one of the things too, that surprised me about you. And I think is a testament to, to your character, as we hear that you will travel to New Jersey to work on one obstacle. <laughs> you came to gymnastics, as we said, relatively speaking, very late. When did you start? I started gymnastics at 12 years old. Which and that is... is- that's nearly a grandmother in gymnastics yes. terms. Most of the girls have started three, four, five when they're six years old. Yeah, I mean, uh, most of my teammates um, had been in gymnastics for at least, by the time I was in level 10, which is, you know, one level under the elite level, like mm-hmm. national team level, I had been in gymnastics for five or six years, and most of my teammates or the girls I was competing against had been in for 14, 15, 16 so years. So how do you, and, and to me, as, as I understand it, that's just unprecedented, to advance that quickly and to get to that high a level. Wh- what do you attribute that to? I'm guessing as we hear about your relentless, <laughs> this, this, this obsessive nature almost you have to be great at something, to succeed. I'm definitely a little bit obsessive about whatever I'm passionate about. Uh Whatever I love, I'm going to put my heart and soul into it because my half of my effort isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to be the best. I want to, and that's not even about being the best out of everyone. It's being, it's what can I be? Like, who can I be? What's the, what's the, the peak that I can reach. The best version of yourself. Yes, yes. So your first season on American Ninja Warrior Season 8, it it wasn't the dream debut you were hoping for. No. You go out on a balance <laughs> obstacle. Uh, I think, was it the log? It was the log runner. Uh, log runner. Yeah. What, what are, what, what's it like when you set such a high standard for yourself and you seem to be again, challenging to yourself when you hit the water and you realize this didn't go the way I wanted. What was the first thought going through your mind? I was shocked. Um, Season eight, I went in feeling so strong, feeling so confident until I saw the logs. Uh As soon as I saw the logs, like I feel like my heart just like fell. And I think I knew that I had never trained anything like that. Mm -hmm. And also the logs were like, they had to have been like almost like eighty five percent of my body length apart. Right. They were. Yeah, but that's what, relatively speaking. This is a huge gap for you versus someone we we talked to Grant McCartney earlier who's six two. For him, that's that's a little <laughs> that's a little tiptoeing through the tulips yeah. for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's so much technique on those that I'd only been training for Ninja Warrior 
for a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really, I was already really strong. My hands, my grip was already really strong. Um, but the agility, I had great balance, but agility is something I had never um, really known how to train mm-hmm. at that point. I didn't know, you know, you have to hit the middle of your foot on mm-hmm. each log. Even if I had, I don't know if I could have made it right now. You know, a couple seasons later, I still don't know if I could make it through that obstacle just because of my size. Um, because sometimes your size does, you know, your height does matter. Sure. So um, I was extremely disappointed because um, looking at that course, other than the balance obstacle, I felt that I could finish the qualifying right. course and I felt like I could finish city finals. So you you fall and you're frustrated. At what point do you say, okay, now it's time to start working for season nine? It took It took a while for me to figure out exactly how I wanted to start training the agility portion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I took a week or so off to kind of uh, grieve. <laughs> Drown your sorrows in Ben and Jerry's. Yes, probably had a lot of ice cream that week. Um, I really got into climbing after that. Really, I discovered how I liked train mm-hmm. after after season eight. I started climbing a lot more. Um, leading into season nine, I hired a um, agility trainer. He's really? like a football coach. Mm-hmm. And he taught me speed ladder drills. We worked on striding. We worked on sprinting. And so then going into season nine last year, um, when I saw the balance, I was like, oh, piece of cake. Right. I got this. You know, like, and I just, ever since then, I've just felt so much more um, confident on any type of balance obstacle. And I don't really get to train with him anymore because I travel so much now. I, I don't really, I have to train by myself a lot. Sometimes I get to train with people in different cities, uh, other ninjas, Mm -hmm. um, which is really nice because I learn a lot from them, but I can't, uh, work with my, my, uh, agility trainer anymore, but what he taught me is stuck with me. What? So this is one of the things we, we love to talk about that. I think people at home have probably don't appreciate is they see the physicality of it and they understand your athletic background. But one of the things we always convey is how hard it is for you guys. You don't get a practice. You don't know what you're going to face. You get one shot with all the pressure. So as you look at it mentally, physically, what, what, where do you think you're actually stronger? Ooh, um, it's hard because when I'm mentally prepared, mm-hmm. nothing can stop me. When when I'm not, it's 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 kind of bad. I really need to work on it. So I guess I would say I'm physically stronger um, for now. But when I am like in a good headspace and I am actively working on my confidence and and mm-hmm. working on visualizing, then then I really don't think um, anything can get in my way. So you mentioned visualizing. How do you work on the confidence and the mental element of it? Because again, for people who don't know, you guys are running in the middle of the night. You're watching oftentimes your friends go through, you're emotionally invested in them, and you don't get to practice, and you know you've got one shot. So mentally, how do you get that toughness? Because I think that's probably the thing that most people at home, physically, whether they're going to do it or not, but I I think I would love for them to hear how they can work on their mental toughness and how you've done it. I learned a lot of my mental strategies from gymnastics, um, we do a lot of visualizing and we imagine ourselves, we close our eyes and imagine ourselves going through every motion, mm-hmm. every movement. 
What's different about gymnastics is that you have practiced your routine thousands and thousands right. and thousands of times. You know what everything is going to feel like before you step out onto the floor the or apparatus, the balance they're beam. all standard. They're yes. all the same. They don't move right. either. <laughs> so um, I like that about gymnastics. But um, with Ninja Warrior, we don't get to practice any of the obstacles uh-huh. before we start. But we can practice the motions that we expect to see on the course, mm-hmm. even though we haven't seen the course yet. So I do a lot of swinging. I do a lot of laches where I throw, you know, the obstacle behind me and catch another obstacle. Mm-hmm. And um, whenever you practice enough of the motions that you would expect to see things, because a lot of the technique is always the same. So it's technique. It's all technique. So if you have technique, then whenever you're looking at the obstacles, you can kind of insert you know, what technique you would need into each obstacle mm-hmm. in your visualization. So one of the other things that's been amazing to me about Ninja Warrior, and one of the things that we always try to convey is the community. And I think you have fit right in. And I look at you and I, you know, I see you on social media and particularly with Maggie Thorne, um, this bond that's formed. And what's it like for the, for the female ninjas um, I, I feel there's been a particular closeness amongst some of you. What's that been like for you kind of finding this new family, I guess? It's unlike anything I've ever had before. And it, what's crazy is the gymnastics community is extremely tight, especially, mm-hmm. you know, your team. You work out with your, tra- your, your team probably four hours a day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're together somewhere around 30 hours a week. And... I feel closer to my my Ninja Warrior uh, friends, all of, all of it. We call it, you know, we call ourselves the Ninja Babes or the Lady Ninjas. <laughs> I I feel closer to them than than any of my friends I've ever had in my life, and and it's crazy because we all live hundreds right. or thousands of miles apart, but we see each other so frequently because we always end up at the same competitions mm-hmm. or we go to, you know, the other regional cities to to cheer each other on. And I just, like, I don't even know quite how it happened, but we just, um, it's like we're friends outside of Ninja at this point. Like, even if, you know, even if I, like, stopped competing, which I'm not going to do, but... (laughs) Let's make that clear. There's no scoop here. (laughs) Yes. Even if I were were to do that, I feel like I would still be such close, you know, so close to all of my, all of my Ninja girlfriends. That's that's amazed me too. Is uh, in, in gymnastics, I picture it as being that. Um, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like eventually it is competing against one another. One person can win. And on Ninja Warrior, I feel the thing that always amazes me is the the camaraderie and support. Even though theoretically you guys are competing against each other, and yet it seems there is this sense of. It's bigger than me. I, I'm not worried about me. And and how do you, how does this come about? Why is it that you cheer for someone even though it might mean you're going out and yet you're relentlessly supportive of each other? How do you feel that 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 came about or how the, how you've embraced that? For me, I love the people more than I love the sport. I, it's there's it's just so special. And mm-hmm. you even if someone's going to pass you up and how you did. Um, I want to see that person do their best, mm-hmm. even if it's better than my best, because I care about them. And I, 
you know, I, I just want the best for them. And it, and it's like just this thing. And it's like it it's almost like you want to fight with yourself and be like, no, I want to win. But it's like if they're better than me or 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 if I messed up, I don't want that for them. Right. I still want them to, to do their best. It's and- just amazing. And to see you guys cheering. And and that was the thing I think is as Maggie Thorne and you know, she's talked about it going through a difficult divorce and she credits you know, particularly you and, and, and some of the other ninjas. And what's it, what, what is it like now having this group, this, this new family that, that where you guys are, God, you are so supportive of one another. And again, to me, it is, it's, it's not on the course. It's really off the course that I think makes it particularly special how you support each other in life. Yeah, I mean, when when Maggie um, went through her divorce, um, she I I was able for Christmas I flew her down uh, and she came and spent Christmas with my family and 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 it really was it's it's not a it's not about ninja for us like whether we're friends or not it's like we just care for each other and right. you know like she's the person I go to when I'm talking to and I'm like Maggie I like this guy and you know and it's like. <laughs> It's most of the stuff we talk about isn't ninja. It's right. so funny, but then when we're on the course, it's all about ninja. Right. Like, but it's just so cool that you that we don't feel like our friendship is dependent on Ninja Warrior or on um, you know, competing. It's right. it's like we've moved You're friends past, for life now. Yeah, we've moved moved past just being you know acquaintances or, right. or ninja training buddies or like it really is like a family. And then you know, T Jackson, she. Uh, you know, when the hurricane hit Houston, she mm-hmm. she flew flew from North Carolina to come help me. Oh my God. And um, we went and we helped Monica um, from Houston with her house, and and we helped Daniel Gill's family. And right. and it's like, you know, who does that? That's not normal. It's right. not. You know. And so, you know, there's just so many big hearts in Ninja. I think, I really think that ninjas are some of the best kind of people. So speaking of that, I feel ninjas often set an example. And again, you saw Casey and she showed what what you could do. And now Casey has moved on to other things. And I look at you and I think you're one of the one of the strongest ninjas out there, male or female. And what's it like for you now to find yourself having people talk about the sparkly ninja and Barclay and strong like Barclay? And what's it like for you now to feel like, wow, you're little girls are now looking up to you and little boys mm-hmm. are looking up to you. It's still really surreal for me. Um, every time I see myself on TV, it feels like a home video. While I'm <laughs> <laughs> How did they get this? Yeah, I'm like, we're, and I, I just feel like, you know, I'm watching it and like my friends that are there with me are watching uh-huh. it until like my Twitter blows up or my Instagram blows up and I'm like, oh, millions of people <laughs> are watching this. Oh my gosh. You know, like, uh. or when, you know, whenever my hair's in a sloppy bun and I'm in my <laughs> sweatpants and I'm at Target <laughs> and uh, I get like bulldozed by kids and right. I'm just like, and then their mom yells at them, who are you talking to? And they're like, mom, it's the ninja. It's Barclay. And then she's all nice to me. Oh. But it's like, uh, it, I, I still, it just doesn't, it, I don't know if I'll ever get used to it. Right. It just doesn't feel like real life. Um, but I feel so honored that I get to be in that in that spot because as a gymnastics coach, I took my job so seriously mm-hmm. because for me, it wasn't just about coaching gymnastics. It was about imparting character Mm -hmm. and patience and resiliency and I wanted to teach them how to be good people 
And um, and I felt like that was, I was so lucky to have that platform to be able to impact like 80 girls on a mm-hmm. weekly basis. And now it's like, oh, like I can impact millions of people. And like the better I work on myself and become like a better person and work on me, then the more I can impact other people and inspire other people to work on themselves and, and care for themselves because that's how we change the world is changing us. So what is it like when you've worked so hard, you, you train relentlessly, literally, like we've said, traveling around the country, and the moment comes and you're there at the start line and you know all the work comes down to this one run. <laughs> what do you, what's going through your mind or how do you, get ready to make the most of that moment? There's there's definitely a couple of things. Usually whenever I step onto the platform and I'm about to go, I am just super calm. And I've like worked myself, I'm like trying to like breathe like a, like a pregnant lady. Like I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm breathing like really deep breaths right. and trying to keep my, my, uh, my heart rate down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just try to remember that my value as a person and as an athlete does not depend on Mm -hmm. one run. So if I fell on the first steps, that doesn't make me less of an athlete. It's, it's one moment in my athletic career. And just like you said, other people can't see all the work I've put into Mm -hmm. it. And you have to like, you have to remind yourself of that. when, if you fall early, you have to remember like, nobody knows what I've put into this, but me. Right. And nobody knows how strong I am, but me. And my athletic career does not depend on this moment. Like, because it can be really overwhelming if you're like, oh, I'm only going to get, you know, this one shot ever. And, um, and everything depends on this. And, you know, every, you know, your whole season does depend on it, but it it's one season. You have right. to remember, you know, if you look at people like, um, Drew Drashel, Ryan Stratus, um, Brett Sims, all these people that have been doing Ninja for a really long time, none of them have had perfect careers. Everyone's fallen. Yes. Everyone falls on American Ninja mm-hmm. Warrior. That's the thing. Even Jeff Britton, who was six for six, he's the, the next year he went out on the very first obstacle in Vegas. Yeah. Isaac Caldero fell in the year he won. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the unique things, I think, is for people to to understand, or at the end when they're like, "Who's the winner?" Well, usually no one. Yeah. So growing up, I didn't know you were homeschooled. Yeah. What, yeah. So what was that like? I mean, I, I always feel was that to focus on gymnastics, or was that just was that, or you hadn't even started gymnastics at that point? That no, was more family yeah. choice. So yeah. what's it like? Because to me, again, you're one of the most sociable people, <laughs> and sometimes you picture people who are homeschooled; they might not have been around people. Yeah. So where do you were you always this naturally bubbly, just outgoing, friendly person, or is that something that you had to work to develop? Um, I think I've always been pretty outgoing. When I was a bit younger, I was definitely a little bit more reserved. Um, before I started gymnastics, I think sports had a big a big um, effect, you know, it just affected me a lot, but, um, I grew up with, affected you in terms of giving you confidence or I would say, yes, like confidence and leadership skills Mm -hmm. and sports just shape, you know, people so differently, but it's, I always feel like it's such a, such a, in such a good way. Mm -hmm. It's such a, um, 
I don't know, like I just feel like so many of my attributes came from the work that I put into gymnastics. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really thankful for that. But I grew up with five siblings, so it wasn't like I was homeschooled all by myself, you know, in my right. living room in my pajamas now, old, every day. Where are you? Oldest, youngest, middle? I'm the fifth. So I have You're the baby. No, because I have a little brother. Oh. But I'm the baby girl. So <laughs> um so I have three older sisters, an older brother, and a younger brother. We were all homeschooled together. So it was kind of like my mom was, you know, teaching all of us. We'd be at the table together and it was really cool because we got to do a lot of uh, field trips and mm -hmm. um and it was it was just really nice because we got to spend a lot of time together growing up which I think is why we're we're still so close all mm -hmm. of my siblings and I were just we've got such a tight-knit family and then whenever I got to started gymnastics um I had the we all had the option to go into public or private some of us went to private school a little bit in elementary mm -hmm. Um, and then homeschooled the rest of the time. But um, once I got into just heavily into gymnastics, I started coaching when I was 14. Um, and I was just doing it to get a, like a, I, I wanted, that's what I wanted to do with my life. I just right. wanted to be a gymnastics coach um, forever. And um, so I had to work, you know, kind of, I was like working for free until I was 15. And, you know, wow. it, it was legal. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, but at that point I was like, you know, I was at the gym instead of training. But you were competing just, at this point too. Yes. So I was competing and I was coaching and I was, um, I wanted to be able to coach and compete. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, talked to my parents about it and just asked if I could homeschool, you know, the last couple of years. And it ended up being like I was teaching myself algebra. I was, you know, I was um, doing a lot. I it was I was kind of the student and the teacher some, some of the times, you know, like. Um, and so I think that also definitely built a lot of um, resiliency and, and work ethic because I couldn't really depend on other people for right. my education some of the time you know some of the stuff was is you know over you know physics and all of that like not my mom couldn't teach everything right you know so I was you know I got the the handbooks and the teacher guides and I would teach myself physics and algebra and like all chemistry and you know all of that stuff and so then when I started college I I think I was actually like really nervous to actually you know go in and, and have a you know professors and um but I did really well in mm -hmm. college and I loved it and I worked my butt off and, you know, I was kept a You have an unbelievable work ethic. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I think, I think it really is, you know, due to gymnastics and homeschooling because, uh, you know, if, if things had just been handed to me in school, mm -hmm. um, cause I'm pretty good at school. I, I love, I love, uh, learning and, but teaching myself was definitely a struggle and I had to really focus on it and make it a priority. So as you look at Ninja Warrior, is there a moment that stands out for you, like a, a highlight or, or, you know, doesn't even have to be the best performance or something, the most emotional moment or something where you felt, this is something I will never forget? The moment I came out of the water in season nine after the eighth obstacle and I just kind of flopped over the the side of the platform onto Was the mat. Was that the giant cubes? That No, it was the um, the drop. What was that one called? Uh, hour, hit the, the hourglass hour drop. drop. Yeah. So I, I fell on the, the hourglass drop and I like jumped over. You know, I just flopped onto the mat on the <laughs> other side and all my friends just dogpiled me. And I was like, that's still, anytime I think about that, it just like makes me emotional just because like 
Like I had just had my best, you know, I had just right. gotten up the warped wall and made it up the salmon ladder and it felt like deja vu because I had done it so many times, like in my, like literally dreams, right. like in my dreams it was happening. And, and you know, even though I didn't complete the course, it was just like one of the happiest moments of my life. And then all the people I care about were right there celebrating with me. Right. And, you know, they just, I don't even think I could breathe. They all jumped on me and, <laughs> and you know. Guys, I need a breath. <laughs> Nate lifted me up onto his shoulder and I was just, you know, that was just like heaven. I, I will never forget that. For for people at home, I think, who are intimidated by the prospect of Ninja Warrior, feel like you know, who thought they could never do that. What what do you what do you say to them? I would say like reach out to any of us on social media. Um, like my social media on Instagram, I'm just Sparkly Ninja. On mm -hmm. Facebook and Twitter, I'm Barclay Stockett. Reach out to me. Reach out to any of us because we love you guys and we're so willing to give tips. We will tell you if there's a gym nearby you that we know about because you just need to go. Just like go into the gym right. and play. Don't think about it as training. Like go in and, and play like like you're going to a playground with monkey bars, you know? And um it's it's worth trying even if you're like this isn't a tv thing isn't really for me mm -hmm. like i was never expecting to do the show when i went in i just wanted to play on obstacles and right. do and find a fun way to exercise because um when i retired gymnastics at 18 i didn't i wasn't i wasn't uh conditioning i wasn't going to the gym regularly the only reason i sort of stayed in shape was because i was coaching gymnastics and was mm -hmm. spotting because I had no, I wasn't passionate about any other sport. And I thought my athletic career was over at 18 years old. I thought wow. it's over for me. I'm done. I had that old lady mentality, you know, that gymnastics, <laughs> gymnastics makes you feel old when you are young. Right. Um, so I just thought it was all over until I went in there and, and I was like, I, I want to do this. Like, and I think any anybody that has like even like a little bit of a desire to do it should just try go to a ninja gym try it out because you're gonna enjoy it a lot now more speaking than... of old lady mentality you're 23 24 i'm 23 23 23 it's remarkable how 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 really young you are and and, and how much you have ahead of you but what do you what do you want to do what do you want to do with the platform the success you've had what do you see in the future Right now, I'm traveling the world with Alpha Warrior, which is a company that provides training to the military, obstacle course training, very similar to Ninja Warrior to the military. So right now, and this I'm, was Brent and Casey who started this. Yeah, Brent they, Stephenson and Casey Catanzaro. Yes, yeah. So again, Casey is just such a huge part right. of my story. Like, so I yesterday was um, I've been working for them for one year, and I love Congratulations. it. Congratulations! Thank you. I'm gonna continue working for them. I Are I you guys love it. Military bases. Yes. Yes. So last year, I think I went to about 20 military bases wow. all over the world. I, was, I got to work in South Korea and Italy and Germany, um, all over the United States. And I, you know, traveling and ninja are probably my two biggest uh -huh. traveling ninja and people, you know, and it just combines and all, all of them. And yeah, I just feel so grateful because like around a year and a half ago, I started feeling like gymnastics wasn't going, coaching gymnastics wasn't going to work for me anymore mm -hmm. because I was feeling very guilty anytime I had to take off work for Ninja Warrior. You know, I was taking off a week here, a week there to compete on the show. And I was a head coach and I just felt very badly. And I, I started feeling like my passions were being kind of 
split. Right. And um, and if I wanted to be a really good, you know, high-level elite ninja, I didn't think it was going to work anymore. So I really, I was like praying about it. I was like asking God to provide uh, an opportunity for me to travel, do ninja, and interact with people. And it's literally what he brought to me. Like Casey reached out to me and was like, Barclay, I've got this this job that I think you'd be perfect for. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah? You know, like <laughs> and Did you hear my prayers? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, were you were you here the other day? So like it it was just really cool because I literally got everything that I was asking for. And it's still going so great. I love it. And um I get to do obstacles for work. And so um I mean, the traveling so much makes it hard to train sometimes. Uh, of but, course. But then when I'm on the bases, I can train. And um, But in the future, I would say my next career after all of this is over and all the smoke and sparkles, you know, they fade and stuff. And um, I mean, I'm going to do Ninja Warrior as long as I physically am capable of right. doing it. And the fact that Jesse is, Jesse Graff is somewhere around 10 years older than me. Yeah. And the fact that she's, doing amazing now is like oh my gosh i have so much time to peak right like i i'm already um in great shape and train really hard and stuff but if i keep this up i'm only going to keep learning and more and get getting more experience and and so i don't have like a you know like i want to win this year i want to win next year it's like i want to keep learning i want to keep getting farther and farther every year and then maybe one day i'll be the i'll be the the first woman to win the show that would be pretty cool i think i can do it well I we really know you're do. going to vegas yep so <laughs> that's that's one of the things too is that's been i think so amazing is to see how casey really shattered the glass ceiling in season six when she got up the work wall and then was the first and still the only woman ever to complete a city finals mm-hmm. but we started to see that the women aren't just showing up you guys are I mean, again, Jesse has finished in the top five in the city finals. Yeah. You guys are just as strong as many of the men. And so what's it like, I think, you know, knowing that there are all these young girls now who are looking up to you? It's amazing. And also it gives me so much hope for the sport because right now the ratio of, of men to women is, is pretty different mm-hmm. uh, or at least – um, elite, I would say elite men and women. Mm-hmm. There's so many more elite guys right now. The more women that we can get interested in the sport and mm-hmm. coming up, the more women you're going to see in the top 15, the more you're going to see in the top five. It's going to happen. Like the more the more women that are training for this, they're coming up right now. Like we are just getting better every year and every year more of us are here and more of us are competing and i'm just so excited to see like one day when there's like half half of the top 15 are women and i i really see it happening there's some really strong women out there (laughs) right now which is so awesome to see and i think it to me it's it's one of the things that has helped the show is to to see the this is the only show i feel like where where women are going against men and and doing just as well and holding their own and showing that you guys can do, particularly for someone like you who's five feet, uh, the pint-sized powerhouse, the dynamic (laughs) dynamo. Um, It's been so much fun watching you compete and grow and become elite so quickly and to the point where we expect great things. Um, Not not to put pressure on you. But as we go to Vegas, um, how do you prepare for, for this this incredible chance. 
it feels incredible to know that I'm getting another shot at mm -hmm. stage one because earlier this year, I didn't think I was going to make it back to Vegas. When I fell on the balance in qualifying in Dallas, I thought my season was over right then. I was completely heartbroken. Um, and because uh, I just I just didn't see myself being in, in the mm -hmm. top 30 or the top five. And um, so then whenever I realized I got another, I got a chance to go to city finals. You made the most of it. I was like, you know, <laughs> maybe I can do this. So yeah. outside of Ninja, <laughs> I, I feel like all we've talked about is how hard you work, how you're relentlessly training, how you're traveling, how, what, what's it going to be? What do you do for fun? And do not say working out. <laughs> what, what is a good time for Barclay? I would say other than uh, training. Other than training. We're not going to accept that as a fun answer, even though I know it is fun for you. I'm I'm actually a writer. Um, Poetry. Yes. Yes. Have you? I think you might have read I some have. of my stuff. I have. So is that, uh, how did you get into that? I started writing when I was, I think around the same time I started gymnastics. Right. I was, I was 10, 11, or 12, probably, whenever I started writing. And it was just fun. I was really inspired by Shel Silverstein. Uh -huh. And I Where loved- Where the sidewalk ends, yes, is that right? Yes. Yeah. I loved his stuff. And so I just started writing stuff that was kind of similar, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, rhyming and a lot uh -huh. of um, very kind of kid, kid stuff. Right. I, I wanted to write for kids at the time. And um, I just started filling up this notebook and, mm -hmm. and um and then I started then whenever I was like a teenager I started writing about boys and then it was like all over. I was like, okay, I'm a poet. Like <laughs> <laughs> all all my best stuff is is about is about relationships. Now I've seen you and, share some of that on I think it was Instagram. Yes. You put some of it out there. Where can people find some of your work? Or or are you still I'm working gathering it? Yes. Yeah, so waiting? right now I would re I'm I'm trying I wanna get published I've got a couple, a few of my poems have been published into literary magazines whenever I was in college. Wow. And that was such a huge honor for me to see my work in a book, you know. Um, but for now, they can, you know, if anyone wants to read my stuff, I have a hashtag. It's Barclay Writes. And it's on you Instagram. You just made the hashtag sign for those <laughs> who can't see it. She threw up hashtags there. I think that was for my benefit, just in case I didn't know. She's like, Matt, that's what a hashtag that's is. That's a hashtag. <laughs> so, um, yeah, also on Barclay Writes, I've, I'm only posting like kind of a few on my Instagram because right. whenever people buy my book, I want there to be new content sure. in there. Um, so there's only, you know, a dozen or so probably on my on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, but right now I'm compiling, I'm, I'm writing. I, th I think based on the size of the collection that I want to publish, I'm probably like 50 or 60% done mm -hmm. um, compiling and choosing. And every once in a while, I'll be looking through something random and I'll find a plane ticket and there will be a poem on it. So there's just poems all over right. and I just need to find them all. <laughs> But I'm very excited. It's a huge dream of mine mm -hmm. um, because I do have dreams outside of Ninja Warrior um, and outside of athletics. And sometimes, like one of the reasons that I went to LA and I and I moved here for that short period of time was I forgot and I was I was just pouring everything I had into training mm -hmm. and it made me really unhappy. And I uh, got a little bit depressed um, last fall because. All I was doing was was training. I was mm -hmm. climbing a ton. I was doing obstacles all the time, and I was traveling a ton for training, but not to just 
vacation, mm-hmm. you know? And so I went through like a little bit of a depression where I just was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I realized that I wasn't doing anything that wasn't for ninja sort of. And, and I, it just made, made me realize like I'm, I'm ignoring, you know, I was trying, I'm in the middle of writing a, a children's book. Right. I'm in the middle of trying to finish my, uh, my poetry collection. And, you know, I loved a longboard and that doesn't help me with Ninja Warrior at all. And, right. and so I went to LA and I spent a month on the, on the beach writing poetry and going, uh, going to restaurants and eating whatever I wanted. And, you know, and it, it put me in the mindset once I got back to Houston to train for qualifying. Right. I was like, now I'm ready. Like I just lost a month of training and I feel really weak right now, but I am mentally ready to start this over. That's amazing to me for you at that age to have that foresight. What is, and not just Ninja Warrior, what do you think the most important thing is for Barclay for happiness, not success, not anything, but to keep you happy as a human? I would say learning to balance learning to balance your your what you're working towards whether it's a goal you enjoy or not learning to balance that with rest mm-hmm. learning to balance you know because i was just going 100 miles a minute right i was just training constantly and i love it and you can get so wrapped up in something that you love that you overdo it and i don't think i understood that until last fall when i started to feel kind of you know sad and i was i was just kind of down all the time i didn't mm-hmm. want to go to the gym anymore and i was like what's wrong with me <laughs> i have never felt this before i love ninja i love the people i love competing i'm missing something right and so i just kind of picked it apart until i realized that i wasn't um i wasn't balancing training with my artistic side mm-hmm. at all i was completely ignoring it so now I have a whole new um, schedule. I basically schedule in when I'm going to write or like, so if I go to the climbing gym. You're so gym, type A, you have to schedule rest. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Put in 30 minutes rest here. Writing. I, I will write rest day on my calendar. <laughs> but and you honor it. Yes, I try. How well, I, hard I is I try it for you to, to be still? So sometimes it's really hard to actually take a real rest day. Uh-huh. So if I need to write and I can feel that I've just got stuff stuck inside of me and and um, and I feel like I'm getting kind of um, like I'm just feeling a lot of tension, I'll go to the climbing gym and mm-hmm. in between routes I'll I'll write. I'll have my notebook there and I like to climb by myself so that I can do that. It's it. It is like this peaceful. It's this resting mm-hmm. time where I'm thinking. I'm I'm coming up with my next you know piece, my next poem, and but I'm also um, you know training balance, finding balance, and um, making sure that you're not overdoing something, even if it's a good thing. You can overdo it. You can drink too much water. Right. You know, and so I think just learning that. Um, and ever since then, ever since December when I decided to turn that around and take care of myself and sleep enough and um, I'm eating a lot better. Um, I've just been tremendously happy. I have many facets. I have many different desires. You're human. And, yes. Yeah. And I'm not living on this earth to compete. I, I'm here for so many more reasons. And I think it's just easy to get consumed. And that work ethic is so important, but also 
you know, rest is so important well, and self-care is so important. It's again, I, I, I just salute your maturity and your, your self-awareness there. Now you had a chance to work with one of your idols, Nastia Lukin oh, yes. on Red Nose Day. Um, what was it like for you to get to be the expert with this woman who you grew up watching compete and to get to coach and work with her? I'm pretty sure when I got the email that Nastia was my celebrity for Red Nose Day, I dropped my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> I I just completely we had met um we had met a few months prior in a gymnastics When I saw gym. you two together though, you looked like you'd been sisters your whole lives. There is the sisterhood that comes from gymnastics. Uh -huh. It's very similar to ninja, um, especially like if you were a high level gymnast, there's just this, con you just connect. And um, it was so fun, like being on the course with Nastia because um, I could say, Nastia, this is gonna feel like a Tkachev and then finish it like- Okay, now I'm ignorant. What's a Tkachev? So it's- it Is that like a Russian drink? Like no. a vodka? No. <laughs> so a Tkachev is a skill on the uneven bars. Uh -huh. And um, and so basically the second obstacle on Red Nose Day, I wanted her to release like like this one skill in gymnastics, right. the Tkachev, and then finish it like- um, finish it like a toe shoot. And so I was eight, which doesn't make sense to anybody else unless right. they were a gymnast. And I was up on the state, uh, you know, up on the platform saying that to her and I'm all mic'd up and the whole crowd probably had no idea what we were talking about. Not a clue. But we were speaking the same right. language and no one else, um, you know, could have, could have been paired and had that same connection right. but the two of us and and actually what's so cool about about us is that she came to Dallas to come cheer me on in qualifying and having her on my sideline again was just like wow like what what a quality her idol. person what yeah. it's amazing because we both have such a respect for each other mm -hmm. And actually, like, we're good friends now, you know, um, we text each other and, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in L.A. And she's like, OK. And then whenever she also lives part time in Boston. So then whenever I'm going to Boston next month, and I'm like, Nasty, are you going to be in Boston these days? And, you know, we try to like, meet up whenever we're right. in the same city, which is probably frequent because we both travel so much. So much. Yeah. So um, so it's just fun having that, you know, um, that person that now she she understands me in, in two facets now, which a lot of people don't, you know, she understands me from the Ninja Warrior right. side and the gymnastics side. And it's just so fun to have that. So outside of outside of gymnastics, outside of Ninja, we've talked about some of your incredible friendships and the people who've inspired you. Who inspires you outside of the athletic world? Oh man, I would say uh, Tyler Knott Gregson is one of my favorite poets. And I am just, anytime I read his writing, it mm -hmm. really inspires me to, to keep going because, um, and actually he, uh, I've reached out to him on social media, just like I want everyone to reach out to me that right. wants to learn more about Ninja. I reached out to At him. Sparkly Ninja? Yes, Sparkly Ninja okay. on Instagram. Uh, I reached out to him and he got back to me. And sometimes I send him my poem. This, this man has like, hundreds of thousands of followers right. and he's taking the time out to read my poetry and I've never even been you know I've only been published in literary magazines and, right. and he's reaching out to me and so there's also that side of like I'm reaching out to people that I idolize and and want to learn from and so I love to to answer other people that that reach out to me anytime I have time I love to reach out and and give advice and so I like and someone's going 
Barclay Stockett. <laughs> I've only competed in local ninja competitions, and she took the time oh, to write to you. me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, he's really inspirational to right. me. Um, I find a lot of inspiration in, um, like, so I got off the plane yesterday on my way coming here to LA, right. and our pilot was a woman. And I remember my eyes were probably just glistening as I got off the plane. Whenever I realized, I was like, that is so cool. Right. Because, um, you know, I, I just love it when women are in um, positions that are predominated, you know, just mostly by men. Right. And so I just, I probably just had like the goofiest smile when I saw her because a lot of times I don't, I, I don't, you don't see that very often. Right. So, um, you know, women across all of these different fields inspire me so much. Um, my my dad has always really inspired me. He's such a hard worker right. and, and he does what he wants. And I love that about him. He uh, I do what I want. Yeah, he does. He <laughs> he does what he wants, whatever. In in the uh and he he just has always worked really hard. And um Maggie really inspires me because oh. oh my gosh, I know you said outside of the athletic world, but you know, it's amazing that she has three kids. Right. And and she does so much, and she's she's successful at whatever she does. But you've done some charity work with her. Is it Convoy of Hope? Yeah, Convoy of Hope. So is, tell us about that. Tell us about about the charity work you're doing there. So I'm actually not super involved with it, but I um I like to donate to help her. She's mm -hmm. doing um I think she's doing up to seventy miles to raise um, money to to feed kids, and um I think for every ten dollars that someone donates to her, that's an, another mile that she'll run, and it provides meals to people in poverty. And so, so I like donate. Let's make a really yes, run for. Let's our... make her run seventy miles. <laughs> um so I'm really I'm always happy to to help give. Um, to her there and then I also work with World Orphans mm -hmm. which a grant also works with yes. and um, last year I got to be a part of a team Michelle Ornke was there Nate Burkhalter mm -hmm. was there uh, Karen Sabo was there James McGrath Alyssa Beard and we went to Haiti and we built a Ninja Warrior course for the kids wow. um, in their Olympic training center wow. in, in Port-au-Prince so I'm going to try to go back every year um, and we're just trying, you know, we want to raise money to keep that up for them because these kids don't have public parks. Mm -hmm. They don't have places to play. There's, there's like nowhere for them that's for organized play. The, the streets, they're just filled with, um, vendors. They're, they're, a lot of times they're dirty. There's not, um, they don't have, they're, these kids kind of have to grow up really early. Mm -hmm. They have to, um be doing you know working and mm -hmm. um and taking care of their siblings kind of like secondary parents and um so they don't have like field days or recess mm. or or any of these things that we're used to growing up in america and so when we we set this up and we had these camps where the kids would come in and it was incredible like the pictures these kids have the biggest smiles on their faces and they're just so excited and um it really is so humbling and 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 one thing that was also cool is they had no idea who we were i liked that right. you know they, they they weren't loving on us and excited that we were there because we're on tv you know that we're ninja warriors they just appreciated that you showed up that, and that yes. you cared and we're making a difference yeah yeah, and they. It, it is amazing. amazing to me uh, the generosity, the the uniqueness of the Ninja Warrior community, and the supportiveness not just amongst each other, but with how many charities. When we looked at Giving Tuesday, how just about every ninja it does something to give back. 
in you the know, community. I also need to brag on you though, because whenever Forgiving Tuesday, whenever we all gave our favorite, um, our favorite foundations and um, nonprofits that we were giving to, you gave to every single one of them, and that blew oh, my mind. Matt, I what? was, I was, I think I cried. Like I, um, Exile International is my, my people. Like I have a, a little girl that I, um, I sponsor from Exile International, which is, um, it's a nonprofit that provides, um, uh, emotional care, trauma, trauma care, um, food, uh, education and stuff to all of these children that were previous child soldiers. They were abducted oh. from their homes and you gave to them. And that, that just hit me in the heart so much because these kids, they, they were, um, used as sex slaves. They were used as labor slaves. They were forced to kill people. They were forced to, um, rape people. They, um, the things that they had been forced to do, and now they're in the care of this um, this nonprofit mm-hmm. and learning to to heal and um, learning how to deal with their PTSD and going to school and being accepted is incredible. And um, you helped provide um, a way for those kids to have that. Well, for me, it was uh, again. I I feel lucky getting to be around. The, the, the thing I say is, as remarkable as you all are as athletes, you're better as people. And the ninja community, whether it's you know you stepping up to support Maggie Thorne in her tough time, or whether it's the charitable work, or whether it's just cheering on the sidelines or spending time with the kids, the thing I always tell people is, these ninjas, you and the ninjas, really are, you guys are the real deal. You walk the walk. And this is something where, again, People aren't getting rich off Ninja Warrior. You guys compete for the passion, for the purity, and I think for the community and the camaraderie. And And I think you really embody that. And the Sparkly Ninja, I think, is such a good nickname for you. So Exile International, where can people find out more about that? Um, on exileinternational.org or on Instagram, it's exile, E-X-I-L-E, and then I-N-T-L. And... At Sparkly Ninja. At Sparkly on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram, I'm at Sparkly Ninja. And at Twitter and Facebook, it's just Barclay Stockett. And we'll see you in Vegas. Yeah. Competing. Uh, I can't say enough wonderful things. I, 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 I love watching you compete. And I always love getting to spend time around you because I really feel like you are the real deal, Sparkly. The, the, the joy you bring. But I want to give you the last word is to the people who are listening out there, whether it's the kids or the adults or people who think they can't do something or whatever it is. Well, first I want to say thank you so much for having me. And you are such an incredible person yourself and so great to be around you. I always, I always feel like smiley when I'm around you just because you have such a positive energy. You're just a you're just an incredible human being. So first I wanted to say that. Don't and edit then, that out. <laughs> and then um, I would say, you know, pursue what you love. Don't spend a second of your life doing something that doesn't bring you some sort of happiness or someone else happiness because our lives are so short. Yeah. And, you know, if you're working a job that makes you miserable, you're going to be there 
from, you know, however many hours a week, and that's going to make up your life. So choose something that makes you happy, just like what you did, Matt, you know, you're a prime example of doing what makes you happy because you used to be a doctor and you left it for comedy. And I think that was an incredible, um, incredible decision and so right for you. I was happy coaching gymnastics for free when I was, you know, I was 14 and I didn't have bills, but it's like, you know, as long as you can live on what you're doing, as long as you can provide for yourself, provide for your family, do it. What more do you need? You don't, you don't need excess, you know, there, especially like the traveling that I've done. I've, you know, I've, I've done volunteer work in South Africa and in Haiti. And it's like these people, they're happy. You know, they, they have hard, the hard lives, right. but they're alive and they are, you know, they're trying their best to, to, to just provide for their family and they have what they have and, and they deal with it and they're happy. And it just is like, okay, well, we are in this privileged position where we are not struggling each day to find our next meal. And it's like, why are you trying to get more than you need? Just do what makes you happy, what right. makes other people happy, what brings light and love into your community. And, you know, if you have, if you do have excess, then give it away, you know, do, do something for someone else. Um, because it really changes their lives. Like you would think that, you know, $30 a month is, is too little, but it actually can completely change someone's life. But it changes your life too. It does. And that's good. And I think what made me happy was talking to you today, Barclay. And what's going to make me happier is seeing you dominate in Las Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the sparkly ninja, Barclay Stockett. Well, I'm glad you got to to hear that. Because, again, we, we it's so much fun for us to really get to sit down and spend some time with these ninjas and hear just what I loved about Barclay was it's not easy. It's hard work. That's why she's so good. Well, she has that moxie, that determination, and that's what I love about her. You know, she talked she in reference. Me of you. <laughs> that, that's Barclay. Well, well I, I tell you, she 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 talked about just you know the, the her size and how that's played a part in it. But she's never let that stop her. And 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 I love to say this, and she made me think of this quote: "To be good is not good enough if you dream of being great." And you can see that determination and passion in Barclay Stockett. Ever tell her no. <laughs> and I mean, talking about passion, what I'm really excited, we we roll into the Miami City Finals next week, and we have some amazing stories. And I think one of the best stories we've ever told, I mean, proof of the power of American Ninja Warrior, we're going to get to see Kenny Nimitalo again. And for those of you who don't recall the story, it was, it was two years ago, his daughter was born with congenital nephrotic syndrome, was in the ICU, wasn't going to make it out until... Someone watching the show decided to donate a kidney and change that young girl's life. And we're going to get to see a follow-up with that, along with some, some phenomenal ninjas competing in Miami. And the other thing is, Miami's a pretty beautiful place it, to hang it out. Is, it's a great place to film. It's a great place to have fun. Um, I'm pretty sure that we're going to have to hit up Prime 112. Uh, that, <laughs> that steakhouse over there on Ocean Drive. So, But, uh, look, you, you mentioned Kenny Nimitalo um, and how that – it's changed. Ninja Warrior has changed his life. It's changed our lives. And we get to know so much more. So it's going to be pretty cool to go back to Miami and see the magic happen all over. Next again. Monday night. Check it out. 8 p.m. NBC. The Miami City Finals of American Ninja Warrior. We're like Millie Vanilli. <laughs> we didn't lip sync this. 
This has been the American Ninja Warrior Podcast. That's right. Follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ninja Warrior. And watch American Ninja Warrior.